From bloated and tired to free and inspired, welcome to Free and Inspired Radio with Philip Watkins, your weekly dose of everything digestion and mental health related. We hope you enjoy this episode. Here is your host, Philip Watkins. Yes, yes. Hi there. Welcome to another episode of Free and Inspired Radio. I'm your host, a naturopathic practitioner, Philip Watkins, and I'm grateful to have you with us today. If you're new to the show, well, the title says it all. It's all about feeling free and inspired and exploring the many different avenues you can take to get there, whether it's deep dives on digestion and mental health solutions or guests who offer their own stories and answers. I hope I can be the type of guide you can rely on to unlock the agency you have to reach your own mental and physical competency. Let's get started with what's coming up on today's episode. Coming up on this week's show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 23 of Free and Inspired Radio. If you're new to the show, I'd like to thank you for joining us today. I hope you find this episode helpful for episode 23. We are asking whether or not there is a connection between the gut, your brain, and chronic pain? Now the answer is yes, and this is what we're gonna be exploring on this episode. Around two billion people are living with chronic pain worldwide. Two billion people are living with chronic pain worldwide. For most people living with chronic pain, it's often considered a symptom of another condition, and usually, Unfortunately, this leaves it inadequately treated. In my early years of practice, I saw many fibromyalgia patients, and from my point of view, the level of debilitation in chronic pain is second to none. One of the most critical facets I witnessed then, almost 15 years ago, working in an integrated psychiatric practice, and more so today, is the need for a multidisciplinary approach to chronic pain management. This multidisciplinary approach refers to psychological and social support networks, not just pills and potions, to appease these symptoms. Now in 2022 and beyond, this multidisciplinary approach for chronic pain now seems to entail a multi-system intervention with the gut-brain axis, one of our favorite things to talk about on the show as a central figure. This intervention is by mitigating body-wide inflammation, via remedying what's comedy commonly known as leaky gut, not comedy, known as leaky gut, or remedying the direct influence bacteria the microbiome have on pathways that regulate and create inflammation. So wait, if you're new to the show, there's a connection between my brain and digestion, let's just revisit that. It's not just a connection, it's more like a superhighway. So much so that the enteric nervous system or the nervous system located in the digestive system has a similar neuronal composition as the spinal cord and that's around 200 to 600 million neurons. Now this similarity has led the enteric nervous system's nickname the second brain to be quite popular, especially amongst research, would you believe? Now this superhighway runs both ways too. The digestion interacts with and in some cases creates its own brain chemicals. Furthermore, the brain directly influences blood flow and the journey your food takes through the digestive system and out of the body, a process called motility, which is very important if you suffer from small intestinal bacterial overgrowth or IBS. 
the central nervous system influences the immune system's activity in the digestive system as well, which is obviously a huge thing considering 70% of the immune system resides in the digestion. Even the Western diet, which is well known to affect the microbiome, has been shown to affect cognition and working memory in mice. Now, while only an animal study that I referenced in the transcript, philipwatkins.health, if you want that, I often see this clinically in humans. As soon as we change the diet's energy allocation, so if you get your energy from protein, carbohydrates, or fat, the brain seems to recover miraculously. This changes, of course, without using any nootropic formulas, just diet and some probiotic work, which once again goes to show that the gut and the brain are very, very closely related. Probiotic bacteria in the digestive system are central to the connection between digestion and the brain, and you'll see why this is important in pain soon. Probiotic bacteria can produce their own unique versions of neurotransmitters such as serotonin and GABA. And if you're new to GABA specifically, it's actually your inhibitory neurotransmitter. So the one that calms you down after serotonin and dopamine and some of those other excitatory chemicals have lifted you for the day. But wait, there's more. Specific probiotic strains such as lactobacillus rhamnosus have reduced subjective anxiety scores in healthy subjects in just four weeks. And that was in humans. This study was actually published around eight weeks ago. And if you're listening to this in the final week of April 2022, eight weeks ago was around about the end of February 2022. And just goes to show how early this research is in humans. Now, some people may argue that with me a little bit as there have been some studies using probiotics and depression and anxiety over the last two or three years. But if you actually have a look at those studies, they haven't been reproduced that well. So I still think it's early. And look, if you want to make a comment, uh, leave it in the description or in wherever you're listening. And I'm happy to listen to what you have to say because we're all about learning here on Free and Inspire Radio. Now, another study from 2021 also showed that probiotic changes in the microbiome are beneficial for cognition. And it's especially working memory changes caused by stress. And I have this conversation a lot with patients where they come in and say, my memory isn't what it used to be. My short-term recall, especially at work or something like that, isn't what it used to be. Now, this may actually be caused by stress. You may not be getting older. So this study from 2021 around probiotics and working memory changes may actually be the key to something that's really changing your narrative about how age is affecting you or you know some of the symptoms you're experiencing. So we know the gut affects the brain, but how does the brain affect pain? So you caught me. I'm trying to be a poet and I know it. I'm not going to apologize for it. I'm going to do it more in this podcast as well. So listen to me trying to be the best rapper I can be. Let's bring the, the brain and the genesis of pain together. So the, there are a few different types of pain, and for this episode, we'll be looking at chronic pain specifically. Chronic pain, by definition, is persistent or recurrent, a recurring pain, excuse me, lasting over three months, often associated with another condition, such as irritable bowel syndrome or osteoarthritis. 
More comprehensive definitions segment chronic pain into different categories, including nerve pain or neuropathy and pain associated with cancer, but we're not going to go into those specifics here for the simplicity, but also it gets very complicated in trying to explain the mechanisms of how the gut actually changes these things. So we'll, let's just keep it simple for now. The pathways, uh, The pathway signals of distress travel from the site of damage to the spinal cord, where they then travel up to the nervous system or the brain. The brain develops the pain intensity and the subsequent reaction to these signals. The response is then communicated back through the nervous system. Pain perception depends not only on physiological processes, but also on psychological, emotional, and behavioral ones. Emotion and attention-based regions of the brain have been measured highlighting the interaction between paying attention to pain and the intensity of the pain experienced. This interaction has led to a direct relationship between high levels of vigilance and pain intensity. And this won't be in the transcript, but the this is where meditation and mindfulness for all chronic pain conditions can be incredibly useful, especially forms of meditation such as Vipassana where you're I guess, endeavouring to become a more objective observer of your own consciousness, but maybe that's another episode. Uh, Sam Harris, if you're out there and you want to explain it, you're welcome to be on Free and Inspired Radio anytime. Let's get back to the show. Sorry, <laughs> this interaction between attention and pain is just one example of how the brain, the brain plays a role. There are many, many more including how you respond emotionally, and if you have memories of previously painful experiences, both of which can amplify the intensity of pain. Even a negative emotion can release pro-inflammatory chemicals amplifying pain. So that just goes to show how closely connected things are here. The psychological elements neg negatively affecting pain intensity could be an, uh, an episode unto itself, but let's bring it back to the triad here, the gut, the brain, and chronic pain, and bring them together. As we touched on before, the microbiome can influence the brain or central nervous system through multiple pathways. The majority of these are through the metabolites it produces. So if you're new to the term metabolites, these are small molecules which are the end products of a metabolic process, a process that either builds something up or deconstructs it. So I hope I've explained that okay because it will help you understand how the gut influences pain. So when the bacteria in the gut go through a process that either builds something up or breaks it down, the products produced at the end of that reactional process are the ones that influence the central nervous system. One of the more interesting ways these metabolites influence the central nervous system is via their immune cells within the brain called microglia. Microglia are immune cells connected to the regulation of brain diseases such as Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease, Huntington's disease, multiple sclerosis, stroke, and not to mention anxiety and depression just thrown in there for fun. Now, whilst this area of research is still in its infancy, or at least it seems this way to me, the microglia can influence the amount of inflammation created in response to an injury. So that's pretty huge. This influence extends to how sensitive the surrounding areas of the nerves are to the same pain, potentially sustaining the pain response, but also extending it well beyond the initial site of the injury. And this is going to be important for my IBS crew. One of the fascinating parts of all this is that recently inhibiting microglial activation can result in positive changes in pain within minutes or tens of minutes, which is a very short time and very, I mean, super positive. 
This positive changeover has only been achieved in animals, but provides a very interesting starting point to build on again. The messages from the metabolites created by the bacteria in your gut are fundamental to helping the microglia cells grow and thrive in early life. Now, the ability of the gut's bacteria and metabolites to influence the immune system in the brain is only part of it. Animal studies have shown that antibiotic use early in life affects the microbiome in such a way that the changes can contribute to longer-lasting visceral pain, which we're going to get to after the break. Furthermore, one preclinical or before-clinic study showed that early-life gut bacteria are integral in developing the stress response a critical influence on pain sensitivity, especially when it comes to visceral pain again. It's going to be really interesting to see how those animal studies carry over into human studies. What do you think so far? Let's take a break here on Free and Inspired Radio episode 23 and come back to discuss one of the most common forms of chronic pain, visceral pain. We'll be back with more Free and Inspired Radio after this. Time to take a break. Are you enjoying this episode of Free and Inspired Radio? There's no better time to take back your personal health sovereignty. If you want to connect with more free and inspired episodes, simply subscribe to your favorite podcast platform or visit the website at www.philipwatkins.health for more information. Let's get back to the show. Yes, yes. Welcome back to episode 23 of Free and Inspire Radio. Thank you for sticking with us. In this episode, we've been looking at the connection between the gut, the brain, and chronic pain. And in this section of the show, we're going to get specific on how influencing the microbiome can positively affect some of the common presentations of pain. And we're going to start with the most typical pain in IBS, but also the most typical pain in general, something called visceral pain. Why is visceral pain significant? Visceral pain is the type of pain that most people seek medical attention for and is also the most common form of pain produced by disease. Visceral pain is a deep, dull, vague sensation often located around the abdomen and it is very challenging to describe not only in location but also with adjectives. It's dull, it's deep, it's there but it's very difficult to really put your finger on it. Now, it may sound familiar to you if you have irritable bowel syndrome or IBS. You'll be used to this sensation, I'm sure, is one of the most commonly debilitating parts of IBS. Because of this, we then see a logical move towards studies investigating how influencing the microbiome can positively affect visceral pain, including pain sensitivity, a significant part of the psychological recovery post-clearing the initial physical IBS symptoms. The microbiome's ability to influence serotonin production affects your experience of chronic visceral pain. The microbiome's effect on serotonin is possibly one of the clearest examples of how the brain and the gut influence the experience of pain. If you are new to what it does in the body, serotonin affects digestion, mood, sleep, appetite, memory, and learning. So it's pretty pretty widespread there. And interventions that affect serotonin, uh, such as SSRI, antidepressant drugs, have successfully been used to treat pain conditions such as migraine and chronic visceral pain in functional digestive disorders such as IBS. And interestingly, as I was going through the research to put this episode together, 
I found that they're now not calling SSRIs antidepressants anymore. They're trying now to call them neuromodulatory drugs, as far as I know, to try and change the stigma around SSRIs. And this is partly because of serotonin's wide effect on things like pain, but also the way it can help people with digestive problems as well. So just an interesting side note there. Changes in serotonin levels, especially when they are low, along with the amino acid that builds serotonin tryptophan, have been shown in humans to increase pain and urge scoring in IBS. So why does serotonin, a chemical we know affects the brain so much, have an effect on digestion? Well, the answer is simple. Over 80% of the serotonin is actually in the digestive system. Furthermore, gut bacteria play a significant role in whether or not a sufficient amount of serotonin reaches the brain in the first place, or at least tryptophan. But what about other forms of pain? So such as the inflammatory pain we see in osteoarthritis, for example. More studies on humans are required to see how precise we can be with which species or strains of probiotics and how they work and how long you need to take them. However, a systematic review or one of the higher standards of assessing research looked at 12 studies relating to probiotics and their role in inflammatory forms of arthritis, such as osteoarthritis and rheumatoid arthritis. The results showed a statistically significant reduction in the inflammatory marker C-reactive protein, commonly used for rheumatoid arthritis, amongst other things, and typically the probiotic formula used in the studies that they looked at had a combination of lactobacillus and bifidobacterium, and this probiotic formula, well, the ones they used in these 12 studies were typically taken for 8 weeks or 60 days. Another study looked at lactobacillus casei or paracasei, which I believe is the same, uh, specifically in rheumatoid arthritis and found an improvement once again in inflammatory status over eight weeks. And once again, this is a very common thing. And I think if you are suffering from rheumatoid arthritis and you haven't yet tried a probiotic, maybe, you know, once again, not medical advice, go and seek your opinion of your favorite healthcare practitioner, but it might be worth thinking about whether or not you have concomitant gut symptoms along with your joint problems as well. The next question obviously is do we know how probiotics improve inflammation? Simply put it seems that some probiotics trigger an anti-inflammatory chemical that balances out the activity of the chemicals causing the initial inflammation. Cytokines are molecules whose job it is to create inflammation to assist the immune system in activating when needed, or at least that's my effort at simplifying their role. Uh, In contrast, while there are inflammatory molecules, the body also has ways to calm these cells down, and it does so using a cytokine called interleukin-10. Probiotics mainly from lactobacillus strains can activate high levels of interleukin-10, And this ability means that certain probiotic strains control the on-off switch of the immune activity responsible for some of the pain that you're experiencing. Pretty cool. In conclusion, the gut influences the brain and the gut and the brain influence pain. Just because I want to be a poet, I'm going to repeat that. The gut influences the brain and the gut and the brain influence pain. Clear as mud? Well, look, in summary, we've heard here that the gut and the brain connection is an essential component of chronic pain, both in origin, intensity, and the way you experience chronic pain as well. Whilst metabolites, so if you've forgotten that, just think 
the byproduct of building something up or deconstructing it can make things worse pain-wise, we've also hopefully seen that probiotics can improve the often imbalanced inflammatory pathways that can lead to some of the more debilitating symptoms that we see in chronic pain. The same pathways leave people living with chronic pain either in the form of visceral pain or IBS or inflammatory pain from these different conditions of arthritis, and they can be mitigated, it seems. We have definitely touched the tip of the iceberg here. The research on how to influence the gut-brain connection and how it assists with chronic, uh, with chronic pain in all its form unfolds. We'll be seeing the full potential of how to help people who are currently looking for answers for their chronic pain conditions. So what do you think? I think it's clear that we have some definite potential here and I'm excited to see how we can utilize our favorite brain-gut connection here on Free and Inspired Radio to help people feel free of the shackles of chronic pain, especially in IBS. It's so rewarding to see how people go back to being able to live their lives again without worrying about the constant wolf at the door or not being able to do something like exercise or things like that. As usual, before we finish this episode of Free and Inspired Radio, if you would love to hear more from me and get the word on new articles, podcast episodes and more, jump over to the website philipwatkins.health and join our community via the newsletter sign up on the homepage. Your reviews on Apple's podcasts and Spotify, Google, Amazon, Audible, wherever you are, help me get the word out on the street. And once again, if you're listening to this on YouTube, throw the video a like and subscribe. Thank you to the few subscribers who've joined up this week to see when each new podcast is uploaded. I'd like to send, as always, shouts to the new listeners of the show. It's very, very, I'm very grateful that you're joining us here. The show is about helping you find the freedom to feel inspired again. And I hope this gets you one step closer. Until next week, if you're in Hong Kong, I hope you enjoy being back in the gym or back in the restaurants at night. It's freedom time here. Just don't forget to take care of yourself and those around you. And of course, if you're living free, living with COVID wherever you are in the world, please be safe. But also remember to take care of yourself. You're worth it. We'll be back with more Free and Inspire Radio next week. Thanks again for joining us. Bye-bye. You made it to the end. This show is all about you, and we hope you finished this episode feeling one step closer to feeling free and inspired. We'll be back next week, but if you want to know more about Philip, please catch a digital flight to www.philipwatkins.health for further details about how we might be able to help. In the meantime, have a great morning, afternoon, or evening, and we'll see you for another episode next week.